the, the passages before, uh, before uh, this incident, Jesus was ministering to people. He was healing people. He healed a leper. He healed the centurion's servant. And remember, the centurion's servant, Jesus said, he, he said, Lord, could you heal my servant? And, and the centurion said, uh, Jesus said, do you want me to come to your house? And he said, no, Lord, I know that if you just say he's healed, he's going to be healed. And Jesus said of him, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Jesus then went on and healed Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus taught during this time. He taught a few young zealots. You remember the guys that said, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus said this, and he said, Lord, I want to follow you, but let me bury my father first. And Jesus gave a reply to that. Jesus also taught several parables just before this. And once he was done, he and the disciples got into a boat and they went across this lake. And the storm came up and it hit them suddenly. After the storm, life went on again. In fact, when Jesus went across the, this, this body of water and got to the other side, it came to the, the, the land of uh, where the maniac of Gadara was. And he cast the demons out of maniac of Gadara. So life went on after the storm. Before the storm, life went on. After the storm, life went on. Storms in life don't always announce themselves. They rarely ask permission to come in. And they rarely ask if you're too busy to entertain them. Storms don't care about your agenda. They don't care about your calendar. By their very nature and definition, they are alarming and destructive, and there's not much you can do about it. But another amazing side of this story was the way Jesus reacted to his disciples. And this, you know, we are in the middle of a storm. Whether I, I've, everybody has their, their, their take on this. I don't know if everybody that's here this morning, how many of you have had people, you've taught, had conversations with people and they've been on several different sides of what they think is going on? I've got people that are like, it's a vast government conspiracy, right? Um, I've, I've heard all kinds of things, and I've, uh, it, it's been amazing to see and hear people's opinions of it. But the fact of the matter that we can't deny is that there's something going on. There's a storm going on right now that we have to face. That's just part of life. But there's another side of this story, and that's the way Jesus reacted. He didn't coddle or comfort them, did he? He didn't come out and... and bring them down to sit down on the, on the floor of the boat and read them a story. He didn't coddle them. He didn't even comfort them. I mean, come on, look at this. He didn't say, hey guys, hey guys, it's okay. It's, it, it's all right, I'm here. Jesus didn't do that at all. In fact, he rebuked them for their small faith. How about that? Here are these guys who are, by the way, many of them are seasoned fishermen. This is nothing new for them. Rough seas, trying to, uh, trying to make a living for your family during the, during, uh, uh, on a rough sea, bringing fish in. This was nothing new for many of these guys. That's what they did for a living. 
And yet this storm was so bad, the Bible says in Mark that the waves were coming over the boat and beginning to fill the boat up with water. It was so bad that these men were afraid for their very lives. Yet Jesus didn't come out and comfort them. He rebuked their small faith. He said, guys, why are you afraid? Why do you have such small faith? It must have been a shock to the disciples, right? It must have been a shock. It must have been like a slap in the face. One moment they're fearful for their very lives, and the next they're being rebuked for not believing that Jesus was in control. I guess maybe the answer is found in that statement, isn't it? They were rebuked for Jesus not being in control. Now, I prayed a lot about, about talking about what I'm about to say, and I think it's important that I say it. And I know I'll get a lot of grief back because I've gotten a lot of grief. We've been blasted for staying open. We really have. We've, been, we've taken a lot of heat. And most of the heat we've taken, from, taken is from Christians. And let me say this. Oh, you of little faith. Seriously. Either God is, either God, is God or he's not. Either God is God or he's not. And I... I'm, I'm going to say this too, and I, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love my brothers in the ministry. But folks, what we've done in response to this crisis by giving in and shutting down our churches because the government said so, I think we're in for a world of hurt in the future. I don't think, we, I don't think many people made the right choice. You can, you can write me if you want but I don't think we did. And that's why we're open. Because it's important that we follow the dictates of the Bible that says we obey God rather than man. For those of you who have, have blasted us and criticized us for being open, we have, a, we have a, a, pro, a, a, a plan in place to abide by certain regulations, but we're still open. We have viewing rooms set up throughout the church so that we don't have groups of more than 25 in one spot if they're necessary. You just have to be creative. God gave you a creative mind. We didn't panic. We decided to figure out a way that we could continue to do what God has commanded us to do, just to do it in a way that would not cause us to get ourselves, to bring undue trouble onto our church. Anyway, I imagine with the disciples, there was a little confusion and head shaking before some deep soul searching. I wonder what they asked themselves. I wonder if they asked themselves what they had done wrong. I wonder if they said, wait a minute, we've been with this guy, right? We're the faithful. We've been following him. We've given up everything to follow him. We've walked away. We, we walked away from profitable businesses to follow him. We've given up everything. We're mocked, we're made fun of. The government is breathing down our necks. The Romans want to take our lives away. And he's rebuking us because we're afraid of a storm? What did we do wrong? There aren't many other stories about Jesus' interactions with everyday life in the Bible that apply so directly, I believe, to our current situation as individuals, as families, and a nation. 
But there are some striking similarities in this story to what's going on in our world today. Some very striking similarities. First, sudden changes in circumstances that caused irrational panic. Sudden changes that uh, nobody saw this, nobody saw this coming of, of the vast majority of the population. Nobody saw this coming. And if you did see a virus coming, you didn't see what's going on now. States shut down. Busy. I, I, when, when Andrew came in, uh, I won't give your last name, okay? <laughs> when Andrew came in this morning, I said, geez, man, it took a virus to give you a day off, right? And uh, he said, no, it was my wife, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's something they'll take care of on their own. But, but we, nobody saw this magnitude of a crisis coming. These guys didn't see this. Do you really think they'd have launched out onto the water? in the middle of a storm? Do you really think that they would have gotten into the boat and gone out to the middle of this body of water if they knew there was a storm right there? So it came on very suddenly, and it caused irrational panic. Secondly, deep-seated fear of imminent disaster and even death gripped their heart. Deep-seated fear of disaster and even death gripped their heart. Let me tell you what we're going to be doing. We're going to be praising the government for giving us money. We've, the government's going to take, take they're, they're going to tell you what you, you can do uh, with your business. And I, and I appreciate that's what government's for. But what I'm saying is as Christians, many Christians are looking to the government for their answer right now. And I, listen, I'm all for it. I'm all for, we've, we've got small business owners in our church. That's what, that's what government regulation is all about. That's what government intervention is all about, for getting us through things like this. We have people who have lost their jobs. Man, I'm all about that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that until that's where you place your faith. When you, when you put your faith in the government to solve your problem, rather than praying that that God will guide you, and rather than praying that God, how many of us have prayed for our president and prayed for our vice president and prayed for the members of Congress and prayed for those who are making these decisions that they would follow the plan that God has laid out? See, we've got to be looking, we've, we've got to make sure that our faith is placed in the right place. What they should have been looking for, in my opinion, was a chance to turn to Jesus for the solution to panic and try to find another way out. They should, have been able, they should have been willing to turn to Jesus and allow him to show them a way through. After all the time that he had spent with them, and here's, here's, where, here's where the lack of faith is explained. Here's where Jesus explains it. It's the backstory. Remember what I said at the beginning? All the things that happened up to this point? Jesus healed a leper. He healed a leper. They were right there. He healed a leper. He healed Peter's mother-in-law, for crying out loud. He had done amazing things in their presence. They saw that. They had been with him every day. 
They had listened to his teaching. Why then, with the living word, the creator of all things in the boat with them in such a moment, did the disciples give in to fear? This is not you riding in the car with me. They were in the boat with Jesus, the creator of all things. And that's why he looked at them and said, guys, why do you have such small faith? Haven't you learned from me yet that I can do things that you can't imagine? I can heal. I can protect you. I can take care of you. I can watch over you. I am your hope. Haven't you learned that yet? I am the one to turn to in trouble, not in panic, but in faith. Haven't you learned that yet? Peter learned a lesson from it because as time went, went on, Peter showed faith in God when he got out of the boat, right? When he walked on water, remember that? Yeah, yeah, I know. Peter looked around and he saw the waves and he sank. But ask yourself the question, would you have gotten out of the boat? Listen, I don't even like water. Right? I tell people the reason I went into the army was it was my one act of rebellion against my father because he was a 20-year Navy man. The truth is, <laughs> the truth is, I'm not crazy about being on the water. I don't like it. There's nothing under my feet. My dad says all the time, yeah, but I had a, I had a, a rack and three square meals a day. Yeah, but you were in the middle of the ocean. I could at least lay on the ground. <laughs> That's not going anywhere more times than not. But Peter showed amazing faith, maybe learning the lesson from where Jesus said, you have little faith, when he got out of the boat and walked on water. Job expressed his faith in God when he said, the Lord gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. One of the songs we sang this morning. Job, in the midst of his incredible trial, in the midst of his incredible struggle of losing everything, he still looked at God and said, the Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job also said one of the most powerful statements in the book of Job. If you've ever read it, I wonder if this has jumped out to you. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Oh. Oh, man, does that not give perspective right now? I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my, my mother and father. My mother and father, are 80, my dad will be 86 years old next month. That's crazy. It's crazy. My mom will be 86 later on this year. They're at the age now where you brag about your age. You don't hide it. You brag about it. For those of you on Facebook, my parents are sitting here in the congregation this morning. You know what my parents say? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. They've got faith in God that he knows and has a plan through all of this. And that's the way they live their lives. That's great faith. David displayed faith in God when he called out Goliath in battle. Right? Little, little teenager, snotty teenager, standing up there. Yeah, and this guy with this monster of a man gets up there. And David said, you'll not defy the army of God. You'll not defy the living God while I'm around. 
And David stood up to Goliath and killed him. Stephen confessed unwavering faith in God when he yelled. At the time, they were throwing stones at him to take his life away, killing him, the very first individual killed for having faith in Jesus Christ. When Stephen's life was being taken away by that brutal, brutal attack, he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Similar to what Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's deep faith. That's powerful, powerful faith. So what was the problem with the disciples? The problem wasn't the storm. See, the problem they were facing wasn't the storm. Storms are part of life. The storm was just a part of life. I'll bet you on this body of water where they were, there's still storms today. We, uh, I hate to say this out loud, but they're talking about some snow here on Monday. Come on, man. With everything, with everything else that's going on, now it's going to snow? Come on. Hopefully it'll stay warm. Storms come and go. And in our lives, the things that happen that we call storms, they come and go. They're going to be there. Listen, we are excited. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to bore you with buying a house. I'm 57 years old. First time I've ever bought a house in my life. I'm pretty sky high about this right now. I'm pretty jacked, okay? But you know what's going to happen? May 1st, I got to make a mortgage payment, right? And then June 1st, you know what's going to happen? I got to make a mortgage payment. And July 1st, and August 1st, and I realized I'm going to be paying on this house until I'm older than my parents. <laughs> so those storms are always going to come your way. It's not the storm that matters. It's how you face it that tells the tale about your relationship with Jesus Christ. How are you handling this, folks? Listen, I want you to understand, I don't feel, I, I'm not, those of you who are watching us on Facebook, I understand, I get it. I had texts from people this morning, hey, we've got, some, we've got some sickness in the house. My wife is home today because she's sick. I get that, I understand, I appreciate that level of concern. And people who, who feel it's best for them to stay at home right now, I get that. I get that, I understand it completely. The statement I made about this church staying open applies to me as the pastor and my responsibility, okay? Whether anybody shows up or not, church is going to be open because that is my responsibility as the pastor. And I'm not saying it has anything to do with your faith. Don't get me wrong. If you choose to, to stay home and watch us on Facebook and, and watch, uh, participate in the Bible studies that are going on online, I don't think that's a... a, a uh, a small faith. Don't get me wrong, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is how you've responded to this and how you're reacting to it and how, what you're leaning on and where you're placing your trust. And if you have irrational fear and panic about what's going on, then you need to stop and check yourself and say, do I really trust God in moments like these? Because folks, it may not be the coronavirus, but another storm is going to come into your life at some point. And it could be a whole lot worse than what's going on now. Let's be honest, for many of us, this is really just a major inconvenience. 
right? It's a big inconvenience. It's not a, it, it's not a huge um, shutdown. I mean, your, your, your life still goes on. I, I saw um, uh, Best Buy had a special three-day sale going on yesterday, right? So there are, life is still going on. But there may come a time in your life where a storm comes into your life that is paralyzing. How are you going to handle it? It's times like these that build your faith so that when those other storms come, when those other struggles come your way, you're ready and willing, you're ready and able and strong enough to stand up to them and face those struggles and those trials. The problem wasn't the storm. The problem was their shallow faith. The problem wasn't the storm. The problem was their shallow faith. Jesus said, why are you afraid, you of little faith? You see, here's the problem. They were focused on the storm, not on Jesus. They were focused on the storm. And they looked around, and they saw the storm. And they were focused on the danger to themselves, rather than focusing on the fact that the creator of all things was in the boat with them. They abandoned hope in that moment. They abandoned hope in that moment. And that's what I'm talking about. If we take our hope out of Jesus right now and place our hope in what the government is going to do for us, then we're losing hope in Jesus. Use those tools that are there, but they're just tools by which to live your life. They're just things that God is allowing to come into your life to help you through. But the key to life for a Christian is faith in Jesus. Knowing what he, I'll ask you this, what are you going to, if, if, if they give you a stimulus check, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to use it the way that God wants you to use it? Are you going to panic with it? Are you going to go out and buy 500 rolls of toilet paper? <laughs> we, we have a golden doodle named Teddy. Oh, my goodness, Teddy. Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. My dog, uh, the three dogs love the backyard. The backyard is fenced in. It's big, and they love it. The neighbors probably aren't going to like us uh, after a week because they bark. But Teddy has an affinity for paper towels. I don't know what's, what it's about. I don't know what the deal is with paper towels. And in this time... <laughs> and where, where these things are like gold. <laughs> Teddy, I came, I, I came back over to the house we're moving out, we moving out of, and the dog's room was filled with paper towels that had been torn apart by our golden doodle, Teddy. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, what are you going to do? I'll ask you this. Are you going to hoard things up right now? Or are you going to still be the giving, sharing, loving person that you were before? Is the storm going to change you by abandoning faith and putting your trust in your bank account? By giving up faith and putting trust in your food cabinet? Or are you simply going to trust God to say, you know what? He's got a plan. He tells me in his word, my children 
will never have to beg bread. He says in his word, I clothe the lilies of the field. I feed the sparrows. I care so much more for you. I will take care of you. You see, that's where our faith should be. I'm not saying, please don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying these other things. That, you know, I won't say what, you know, send the money back. That's what some people are saying, but I wouldn't be that sarcastic about it. But what are you going to do? Are you still going to trust God? Are you still going to support your church? But remember, folks, financially, the church isn't going to get a bailout. So um, please still, still give, okay? Because you want to have a church to come back to. Churches, churches were told that we should shut down our, our, our stuff, but um, we weren't included in a bailout. And we wouldn't take a bailout, by the way. So just so you'll know. Uh, anyway, I, I, I wander off the point. What do we learn from this? That your response to this, your response to the response to the storm reveals the depth of your faith. The response to the storm reveals the depth of your faith. Faith drives out fear, but only in proportion to its strength. Faith drives out fear, but only in proportion to its strength. Don't expect to be able to kill Goliath if you haven't been reading your Bible and praying for the last three years. Don't expect to be able to get out of the boat and walk on water if you haven't been following Jesus closely with your life for a while. Because, yes, faith drives out fear, but only in proportion to its strength. And at this very moment <clears throat> in the boat, the disciples apparently had not placed their complete trust and faith in Jesus. They hadn't completely bought in. Maybe some of them thought, geez, this is like the circus has come to town. This magician is doing great things. I wonder, they, ha they hadn't completely put their faith and trust in the one that said, you can trust me. I say this again. They were in the boat with God. Right now, Christian, those of you here, those of you watching on Facebook, those who will watch this, we're in this boat with God. He's in control. He knows what's going on. He knows your situation. He knows, your, he, he knows the fear you have in your heart. He knows your, your confusion. He knows what's going on. But he also knows he wants you to give that to him so that you can say, man, God's in control, and I'm going to live my life. I am going to take, Zach made a great point, and, and Jonathan has been uh, working with churches to try to get them up to speed on how to do this, and churches have come together on how to, how to live stream and things like that, and I, I put on one, one, guy's, one uh, pastor's uh, feed because they're talking about coming over and they're, they're taping messages and stuff like that. I said, do it like we did. <laughs> How many years ago? Facebook Live with a telephone. Facebook Live with a telephone, man. That's how we started. Facebook Live with a telephone. It's that easy. It's that easy. You'll find the solution if you look to faith first. You'll find the solution if you'll look to faith first. First, how should we handle the storms that come into our lives? Even those, especially those that come right out of the blue. Above all, I know this, 
Now is not the time to abandon hope. Now is not the time to abandon God. Now is not the time to abandon faith. Now is the time to praise God for all that he has done and keep faith strong for all that he is going to do. We know he's in control. If you know he's in control, then you know we're going to get to the other side of this because we haven't gotten to the end of the book yet. So now is the time to keep faith in him and allow him to continue to encourage you and to show you creative ways of getting through this, right? We all see those, uh, maybe, maybe not all of you because you don't have kids at home, but we've all seen those videos that people are putting out there, how to, how to get this, how to help your kids through this time and how to survive this during this time and, and uh, with, your, with your children. And we have a neighborhood and they have bikes and they can go. Just go ride, just go ride. They're loving the time. There's a way to get through this. And God wants to show you that way. There's a way to get through this and to keep your sanity. And there's a way to get through this, Christian, and to grow stronger in your faith. My prayer for everyone at New Life, my prayer for my family, because my boys are asking, I got eight-year-old boys, man. They're asking a lot of questions. They've heard a lot of irrational fears from uh, being at, at school and things like that. So they've got a lot of questions, and I'm talking to them. So listen, guys, we need to take precautions. We need to do the things. You need to wash your hands. My gosh, you don't have to have the coronavirus around to tell eight-year-old boys to wash their hands, right? Dude, I just saw where you were. My gosh, you're fighting with Teddy and taking the ball out of his mouth, and then you want to eat a sandwich. I don't think so. Go wash those funky hands. But I'm trying to pass on to my boys and my wife is trying to pass on to our boys that this is the time that we trust God most. This is the time where our faith is so important because there's so much irrationality and, and irrational thinking out there. This is the time where I, Flavio and Osvaldo have just stepped up to the plate, man. And, and we've got our church, we're, we've got uh, devotions going out in three different languages, right? We've got English. I barely speak English. Zach does a good job. Zach, we've got the English going on. Osvaldo's got the Portuguese going on. And Flavia is putting him out of Spanish. Man, come on. We want people to grow in their faith through this. I want to get to the other side saying, man, I'm so glad that I trusted God. Because look at the path he laid out. Look at the path that he laid out for me. This is how I got to hear from here. He laid that path out, and I followed him, sometimes blindly. Sometimes it was dark. But I followed him, and look where I am now. Listen, that's what I want new life to do. I want new life to say, hey, we're going to trust God. We're not going to trust the government. We're not going to, and, I'm not, and listen, I'm not, a, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, please. I don't have, a, I don't have an ammo shelter in the basement of my new house. Don't, don't, don't think that. But I trust God more than I do the government. And I want New Life to say, listen, we're, our mission here is not just to be good citizens of, of earth. More importantly, it's to be good citizens of heaven and to follow our king and to give our loyalty to him. And our loyalty means our faith and to trust him that he is going to see us through this time. And when we get to the other side, we're going to be stronger because of it.
That's my prayer for all these, all, all these churches and pastors who are getting, getting that word out, man. They're jumping online and they're getting these messages out that we're all going to be stronger through this. At the end of it, we're better than we were before it. What does faith in God in great times of difficulty reveal about you? <clears throat> First of all, it really reveals that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. You cannot put faith in God truly unless you have a personal relationship with him. What does that mean? That simply means this. There's a time in your life where you realized you're a sinner, that you've done something wrong, that you're not perfect. It doesn't mean that you're a horrible individual. It doesn't mean that you're a mass murderer. It just simply means that you're not perfect. And what sin does is separate us from God. Sinful, imperfect people cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. You can't pay the price for your sins. And having a personal relationship with Jesus means you've come to that understanding that you cannot pay the price for your own sin. You just can't do it. But one could. Easter is coming up. What are we going to do for Easter? What are we going to do for Easter? Are we going to be shut down for Easter? Man, we're still going to celebrate. Listen, I've been thinking, I've been thinking about ways we could do communion online, right? Everybody buy grape juice and crackers. We'll have communion together. Listen, we can still do this. <clears throat> but Jesus said, I know you can't pay the price, so I'll pay the price for you. And Jesus came down to earth, lived among men, ministered, and then gave himself up and died on the cross for our sins. And he paid the price for your sins. And most anybody who knows the story of Jesus knows that and understands that. But where we fall short in our understanding is this. That did not just pay the price for your sins and it's over. The price has been paid, but you have to allow that price to be paid for your own sins by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you want to have a relationship with him, if you truly want to put faith in Jesus Christ, then you must say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I can't do anything about it. But I know Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And you must pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart simply by saying something like this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing I can do to get myself to heaven. I know that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I accept the payment for my sins now, and I ask you to come into my life and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. A simple prayer like that, acknowledging your sin, acknowledging the fact that Jesus is the Savior, and accepting his gift of eternal life for the, as the forgiveness of your sins gives you that gift of eternal life. So you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And putting your faith, your true and honest faith in him, reveals that you have a personal relationship with him. Psalm 71, 23, David said, My lips shall shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior... He has delivered you from the penalty of sin. He's worthy of your praise. How are you going to get through this? What does is, what is your faith in Jesus Christ reveal about you? It reveals that you know he's worthy of praise because, what he, because of what he has done for you. Reveals that you know who's in control. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Jesus doesn't say, God doesn't say, I might be. 
It's possible. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. Why? Because I am God. I am the creator of all things. I hold things together with the very word of my power. If that is true, and if you believe that is true, then that's where your faith needs to be. And if that's what you're trusting, it reveals that your faith is strong. What else does it reveal? It reveals that you are willing to make the effort to trust him. It's an effort, isn't it? It's a struggle. Sometimes it can be overwhelming, and you have to stop and take a breath. We do that in our house, right? We, we, uh, we things start to get a little bit crazy and go haywire. We stop. I know when the dogs start going crazy that we've lost control. <laughs> so we stop, and we take a breath, and we bring it in, and we put our hands together, and we hit the reset button, and we start over again. Because we know that we have to get back to our center. And our center as believers is Jesus Christ. Faith in him, when you place your faith in him, it means that you're willing to make the effort to trust him. You're not always going to be perfect at it, but at least you're going to be able to give him a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more so he can show you more and more and more that you can trust him. Philippians 4.19 is a great verse for us to claim in our lives and in our homes right now. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your need. Christian, can I just say this to you? Those of you watching us on Facebook, God's got you in his hand. God's going to take care of you. Everything is going to be okay. He says, I love you, you're my child, I care about you, and I'm going to see you through this. Just trust me. Just trust me. And it, really, it, it says you think it's a really good idea to let God be God in your life. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that's where it comes from. We have tools here on earth to use, but remember who gave you the ability to access those tools. Remember, if, if you've been laid off, remember the time's going to come when you get back to work, and God is the one that gives you the ability to get back to work. Those of you who are blessed enough to be able to continue to work through all of this, remember God is the one giving you the strength and the ability and the wisdom to get through this. Right now, hey, listen, right now is not the time to be frivolous for most households, right? Right? We, we, it's, it's, not, it's not time to be frivolous. Now's the time to, to, um, to exercise that good godly judgment about how to run a household, how to handle your kids, how to, how to keep your marriage strong. Some marriages today, they don't spend this much time together, right? I'm, our new neighborhood, there's people taking walks all the time. I feel like we've got, um, like, what's that neighborhood watch? <laughs> like, I got to be careful not yelling at my dogs because I don't want to get called, get people call on me. But it's, it's uh, I see people spending more time together. And God will get you through this. And it's, a, it, it, it's him that we look to for help. Lastly, what does exercising faith in God do for you in a practical sense? It puts your focus on God, not your storm. 
Remember what we said at the beginning? The reason the disciples had such a problem, the reason Jesus said you did it, you have little faith, is because they were focused on the storm, not on God. They were focused on the storm, not on the fact that Jesus was in the boat with them. I can't emphasize that enough. He was in the boat with them. Come on. He was in the boat, Lewis. He was in the boat. I mean, come on. He stood up and he just said, peace be still. Hey, wind, hey, waves, stop it. Now, I have been, I, my, my father had a, had a brother. He's passed on, uh, see him in heaven again one day, his uh, Uncle Dick. My goodness, this man had a little bit of crazy in him, okay? We, my father and my grandfather built a cabin out on Lake Wittabasaki years and years ago, back in um, the 40s, right? Of the last century, 40s or 50s or something like that. And, uh, and, and we would go up there. It was called Ted's Haven. My, my, uh, my grandfather's name was, was Ted. And uh, we'd go up there, and, and we'd spend some of our time in the summer up there. I made the mistake one time of getting out on this little boat, little motorboat with my, <laughs> with my Uncle Dick. And there's a place on Lake Wittabasaki. Have you ever been up there? It's out in the middle. I forget what they call it, but it's out in the middle. And the wind comes whipping down through the mountains, and it, the waves are always there. There's always waves on this lake. And sometimes the waves get to be pretty good size. You know, I wouldn't want to guess how big, but they're, they're taller than Lewis. And <laughs> so, like... <laughs> like ho hobbit-sized waves, <laughs> um, but um, but my uncle got out there, and most people exercise caution, right? And they avoid those waves. Not my uncle, man. Uncle Dick put the put the 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 throttle. Is that what it's called on a on a boat, Dad? The throttle. Put that thing all the way. And we're, no lie, Drew, we're flying over these waves, going up and smashing down and up and smashing down. My uncle is standing there at the, it was like Willy Wonka when they're going through that car, the original Willy Wonka going through the car wash, right? And he's, there's no earthly way of knowing. He's singing, and my uncle is singing hymns while we're crashing through these waves. I'm like, this man has lost his mind. We're flipping. <laughs> I forget how I got there from here, but... Um, my focus at that time was on the amazing waves that were about to destroy the boat. It's easy to get there. And that's where the disciples were. And that was the problem. Jesus wants us to shift that. And having faith in him, putting, putting your faith in him practically shows that your focus is on God, not on your storm. Your focus is on God, not on yourself. In other words, the storm is just another part of life. It's just another thing you have to deal with. That no matter what comes your way, you're going to walk with God because he's got a way through it. No matter what happens, you're trusting him. Nothing is going to shake you. Nothing is going to knock you away from him. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, <laughs> but not destroyed. We always carry in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may also be revealed in our body. We always carry the results of his death. In other words, salvation. We always carry our salvation with us. 
so that the life of Jesus can be revealed to others. Christian, how bright is your light shining through this? How bright is your light shining to neighbors and to people you come in contact with? <clears throat> you know, you can, you can be the, one of the people fighting over the roll of toilet paper. You can be the person filming it on your phone for all the world to see. You can be others standing around cheering them on. Or you can be the voice of reason saying, hey, guys, we can, we can settle this. You know what? Let me buy the pack and I'll divide it up among you. There's a way to keep your sanity through this. There's a way to be a peacemaker. And Jesus said, happy are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What else does it do? <clears throat> it humbles you to the need of the power of God in your moment of great need. I admit to you freely right now, I don't have the answer. Don't, don't have the answer. You know what I've been doing through all of this? I've got that, uh, uh, what's that nasal spray for colds? Um, Zycam. Zycam. Aaron has had a cold for a while. We don't broadcast that much because it might freak people out. <laughs> all right? You're, you're out in public now, right? <clears throat> and if you happen to clear your throat, it's like, I'm just clearing my throat. I'm just clearing my throat. It's not, not no panic, no panic. But I've been doing Zycam and zinc and, and uh, eating as much steak as I possibly can. <laughs> uh, but trying to, try to do this again. But <clears throat> I know, I know that I don't have the answer. I, but I know the one that does. And I'm trying to humble myself to his leadership. Not just for my life but for my family and my home and for this church as well. I don't want to panic. This is going to be over and we're going to have to carry on. And I want to be able to look back on this and see that path that he led, led us through. So I want my faith in him and I want to humble myself to the power of God in the moment of my greatest need. 2 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. And lastly, it invites God's presence into your situation. Remember this. By putting your faith in God, you are now inviting his presence into your situation. Remember the, remember the verse in Revelation, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door to me, I will come in. He doesn't break down the door like a SWAT team. You have to open the door and invite him in. With salvation, accepting him as your savior, and with putting your faith in him for your daily life as a Christian. Listen, he's waiting to, re he's waiting to respond to your request, but you have to make the request. It starts with you. You have to open the door of faith and allow him in. If you allow his presence and invite his presence into your situation, he will now have permission. And I put permission in my notes in quotes. He now has permission from you to act on your behalf. Okay, God, I don't got this. I can't handle this. I'm asking you to take control. And now God has permission to act on your behalf. And believe me, he will. 
Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. If we will just trust him in all of this, he will see us through. If we'll just trust him. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's coming down. None of us do. But I do know this. God has a plan. God has a way. And I'm going to trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Faith is not always easy. And this is not an easy time for many people. For many of us, it will be the greatest challenge of our lives. And as followers of Jesus Christ, this may be the greatest challenge you've ever faced to put your faith in him, to trust him because you don't have the answers right now. This might be your greatest challenge. But for a believer in Jesus, it doesn't have to be a moment of fear and doubt. It doesn't have to be a moment of shaken confidence and panic. The simple act of trusting Jesus through it all, of believing that he is the one in control and that it's better to trust his plan for your life instead of a government bailout, that's what you need to grow your faith and strengthen your walk with him through this time. Who will you choose to trust? Are you going to be glued to the TV for every bit of news? Can I just say this? That's a really bad idea. Are you going to, are you going to look at the Facebook prophets and read the latest? Man, that's a really bad idea. Get out. Hey, make a snowman, right? For those of us in the area, maybe you get to make a snowman. Or <clears throat> cook hot dogs on the grill. Enjoy life. Trust God. Connect with your family and friends. Be a light to somebody. Reach out to somebody who needs help, somebody who could use it. Be the church. I know that's a phrase that's going around right now. Be the church. This is our moment. This is our time. This is our American Idol audition. <laughs> This is the time for us to shine. We were made for this. Let's get it right. And we start by putting our faith in him. Let's bow in prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, <clears throat> I just want to speak to the congregation here and to the audience that's Watching on Facebook, we've talked a lot about faith in God. And in this message, I talked about accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Listen, that is the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. Realizing you're a sinner, knowing that Jesus died to pay the price for your sins, and knowing that you must accept him as your Savior. Pray and ask him into your heart to receive that gift of eternal life. I want to just... I give you a prayer that you can pray. You can contact me through Facebook. You can contact Zach or Osvaldo. Uh, you, can, uh, you can contact us and we can talk to you about it if you want to talk more. But if, if you're at a place right now and you want to place your faith, the faith of, for your eternal soul, 
in Jesus Christ, it all starts with a prayer, something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing that I can do to get myself to heaven. I know that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and save me. I receive your gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed still, I invite you, if you prayed that prayer, to please connect with one of our pastors through our Facebook page. Or if you have my number or our number, you can text us and let us know. And we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to give you some next steps to take. First of all, we'd love to rejoice with you over your decision to ask Jesus into your heart. But please let us know. Not for, not, we're, we're not going to come and try to sell you ADT home security. We just want to know so we can rejoice with you. Those of you who are watching, if you need anything during this time, reach out. We will try to do our dead level best to make sure that we uh, help and help you and, uh, and can meet whatever needs you have. And please stay connected. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for those who have been with us live and those who have, uh, have watched us and will watch us on Facebook. We thank you, Lord, that your word can still get out in a time like this. God, would you increase our faith? Would you strengthen our faith? Would you give us power to stand strong and live for you through all of this? They're difficult times, Lord, for many people. They're scary times. But Lord, you have the answer. You have a way. God, would you give us faith? And would you give us the courage to exercise that faith and, and place it in you so that we will follow your path through it? Bless us. Would you honor, may we honor you with our lives. May we truly be the church through this time. In your name we pray, amen.